Hello and welcome to Cast Onto Future. I'm your host Dom. I'm your co-host Aaron. And I'm Max. And today we're discussing the first short story and the sort of Destiny anthology, The Bounds of Reason, or as I like to call it, the horniest short story so far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> Let me just put it this way, right? Like, 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 <laughs> right from the outset, say that when I like started reading this today, I was going like, Sapik, you are being a very, <laughs> um, you are being a very stereotypical straight man in the way you write the write the Zeracadians. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He spends a lot of time describing, and and I mean, literally describes their boobs. Like, like I mean, like, like he he, yeah. he goes out of his way to do that. Like, like I'm not like per se complaining. It's just more really funny because like in the previous short stories, it was like a lot more kind of um... subtle. Yeah, you know, like he, de- he like you know, like he he'll make a passing comment about Yen's boobs and shit, but it's never like you know, like tasteless, right? <laughs> yeah, this one does get quite tasteless. Um, <laughs> like at the very, at the very least, all I'm saying is that, like you know, Sapik, before writing this, you should have had a wank. That's all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't judge. You know, like, like, like you know, like lots of, lots of, lots of offers run into this problem. But come on, man, like. <laughs> uh. yeah yeah and i mean it's it's not just the character descriptions the events as well are what they are they are <laughs> what they are yes um <laughs> which is why let's maybe get into that chronologically especially yeah. the events arguably arguably the event you're referring to is the most plot that actually happens at this point <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the one thing that is to be noted is that this is a very plot light story. There's a lot of character work, but in terms of like There is there is a lot of fighting. And there's a lot of fighting. There will be a <laughs> lot of fighting, guys. Yeah. It is not surprising that the show both decided to add some drama and also was able to like spend a lot of time on Siri when you this uh when they adapted this story because um there's not a full there's not a full hour long TV episode in this story. Yeah, um, it's a very lovely uh, short story, you know. Like, certainly don't complain, but like, but but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's probably best to say that this is the one that roughly corresponds with episode six of the show, which is um, Rare Species, the Dragon Hunt. It starts like the show, basically. You know, Geralt, them um, they're outside the cave and he's hunting for a thing and. They're saying, oh, look, he's died. He's been killed by this horrible beastie. And they look to start try and plunder Roach until some gentleman, unassuming gentleman with two women who he describes as his weapons turn up and yeah, resolve the situation, <laughs> shall we say. Yes, yes. I, I, I do yes. like the phrase used here. Um, I see you're walking about without a weapon. Yes. For my weapons follow me. It's actually mm. quite hardcore. Like, yeah, <laughs> really well done. Like, like, like you could just tell that when Sapek put die down, he was like, "Yes, <laughs> I am a clever writer." 
Yes. <laughs> Although I'm fairly sure he does describe his their thighs already at this point. Um, within let, let, of let, let me up. check. Let's let's see if he already starts talking about Zerikadian thighs. <laughs> like, yes, 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 muscly thighs. Yes, the muscles says. of the powerful thighs were visible beneath <laughs> link skins wrapped around their hips. So he was already yeah. sweating when he wrote this. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, we yeah. promise not to dunk on Andre too much in this episode, but we will dunk on him a little bit just because. <laughs> it's out. It's from a place of love. God damn it! <laughs> so. Like, like in the series, you know, Geralt emerges, and um, one of the one of his weapons beheads someone for daring to draw a knife on him. And Geralt and Borch, who we discover, uh, decide to pal up and head to an inn. Head to an inn, yeah. Yes, where Borch proceeds to order just. A raft of, of everything, really. Just literally Seafood. everything they have, yeah. Like, yeah, like, like, like Geralt. <laughs> Geralt provides an interesting phrase here, like by the way, which is like, um, there are some who would rather interact with lepers than witchers. Like when Borch invites oh, yeah. him to, like, or the, I think it's Borch, like ah uh, Borch, like a Gaelic. Yeah, I do think that in Polish it's a it's a h sound. Yeah, because like I mean, it's definitely not Borch because. That would be C C C Z. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. Like, but because um, in the games and in the TV show, it's it's pronounced Borch. Yeah, but, <laughs> uh, but I suppose that could just be a translation thing then. I mean, also, you know, like it it could be like 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 Borch, just because like you know fantasy names as well, rather than actual Polish orthography. Uh, well, what, the show says Borch, but we also recently learned that Lauren can't pronounce Andre's name. So she does call him Andrew in the in the in the <laughs> like fucking documentaries, which I actually like. After thinking about it a little bit, I find kind of endearing because like it clearly yes. was a case of her trying to pronounce his name and him going, <laughs> "No, it's Andrew. It's fine. It's fine." <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been in those situations. <laughs> like, I, I think if it was Borg, he might have spelt it like the way Avalach is spelt, um, which would make sense. Yeah, but Avalach is an elf. That's a whole other thing. That's true. Well, I suppose it depends what the naming convention. Also, is we don't dragons. actually do, we actually don't know how it's how how Avalach's name is pronounced. So, <laughs> well, look, as the least Scottish person on this podcast, I'm just gonna say Borch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and yes, so they eat lots of seafood and have a very philosophical discussion about the nature of Geralt. Is, does he hunt dragons? Does he not? Is he monster killer? Is he not? Geralt goes, um, on, a, goes on a tangent about, about dragon lore. There is a lot of sexualization of the, of the Zyrcadians, a lot of it. They do a lot of pouting. And they, they do do a lot of pouting while, you know, like, opening their shirt up a little bit. So... Yeah. Yes, the taller Zerikanian shook her head, patting herself knowingly on the waist, which is now hugged by a tight linen blouse. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That sort of thing. With the unrealistic lace. Geralt mentally negs Taya at one point. Like, I don't know if it's like if it's like that in the English translation, but in the Lithuanian translation there's a line where where it go where it just goes 
Thea, pouting as if she was about to kiss someone, like, uh, winked. Her tattooed face looked hideous. Yes. Yeah, combined with her tattooed face, this made for a gruesome sight. Like, he, yeah. he necks her in his own internal monologue. <laughs> Geralt. Uh, I mean, he does that. I know, like... He does that to Yennefer as well, to some extent. You know, calls her plain he looking. Ju- he just keep, keeps negging women in his internal monologue. Like, uh, get, get over yourself, Geralt. <laughs> Geralt, you're not, you're no like, you know, like beauty yourself. I'm not gonna lie. Like, <laughs> yes, book Geralt is not show Geralt. Just to be clear, <laughs> I mean he's he's repeatedly described as rather hideous looking. So, yeah, yeah, he's certainly not. But show it's just Geralt. because, like sorcerers, uh, he physically vibrates to them. Um, so you know, yeah, yeah. and I mean to everyone else, he's just fascinating. There is actually there is actually a fun theory I read um, that basically what attracts women to Geralt is actually the fact that he's infertile. Um, because and combine diseases. that with he definitely doesn't have VD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like 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 basically it's 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 a very it's a very convenient way, like especially for women for whom accidentally getting knocked up would be a problematic situation in their lives. Um, like to basically have entirely safe sex with like this random dude who's admittedly sort of interesting as well, even if not especially good looking by wor- by virtue of being, you know, this mysterious monster slayer. Hey, some of us get yeah, by like... very far on being interesting, even if we're a bit strange looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting and risk free. So like, sure. <laughs> like it makes sense, right? Like I totally does, especially if we're you know talking you know like a medieval world where like one a pregnancy could be a real big problem and two getting an std would be a really big problem yeah exactly um so yeah like like in the show we basically get Geralt querying these two beautiful women oh, why are you hanging around with this strange looking guy although he's not gray-haired and podgy described as he is in like the tv show he's just kind of an ordinary mm-hmm. guy with curly brown hair is kind of yeah, as he's described yeah. Yeah, like, and then look they describe up, him, of course, as the most beautiful, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, look up how he looked in the original Polish TV series, because I think they actually got like the book description pretty much spot on, because he's literally mm. the most ordinary dude ever. <sighs> Google, please believe me that I wanted borch, not borscht. <laughs> Did you mean borscht? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you did. Yeah, you did. You- you did presumably type Polish. I did type Polish, to be fair. <laughs> but yeah, he's very ordinary looking, isn't he? Like just like like extremely yeah. extremely mundane guy. Uh, and I do think that that's 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 kind of like how I imagined Borchin like in like reading the short story because like just yeah, a middle aged like guy. That. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, as as you say, like Geralt asks where why do you hang out with this weird old dude and he and she's just like because because he's the most beautiful like yes and and, and then Geralt just spends a moment like being perplexed by this like however i do want to note something like that is personally to me even weirder about this scene um because this conversation between Geralt and Bea happens just after borch orders some more beer and then says to Thea Thea i have to leave for a bit he 
goes outside, like, you know, to the, it says to the garden, like, to the yard, like, whatever. Like, Taya follows him. Um, like, he comes back a little while later, just doing up his pants. Like, <laughs> what exactly yeah. would he, was he doing in that garden? Because... Yeah, if she hadn't followed him, I'd assume he'd... Just gone for a piss, right? Like, like every single normal person who goes, like, you know... Yeah, I'll be back in a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> now, did she follow him because she's his bodyguard and they make a point of saying that, like, the inn was staring at his, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Gold. Yeah. But just, like... But, but she also just, like, follows him outside. It's just, like... Does she just stand there while he pees, watching that nobody takes his pouch of gold? <laughs> That's the job, I guess. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Like... That just seems sad. Yeah, well, that's the job. Bodyguarding just seems sad in a way I never considered. <laughs> like, you know, in, a, in an age before cubicles. Yes. Well, maybe everyone was just a bit more used to the bodily realities of life before there were cubicles. Like, I guess, but, but just, you know, cubicles are a good invention is what I'm saying. They very much are. We really advanced as a civilization when we invented cubicles. Yeah, so, so, yeah, Borch and Geralt have sort of um, some philosophical discussions, both about the the nature of witchers in, in, in Borch's view. They have lots of um, fish. View. Like, genuinely mouth-watering amounts of fish. Like... Yes. It was a very like sort of red wall Brian Jack yeah. description of uh, eating. Yeah. Um, it's just like yeah. like raw steel and shit. It's great. Like, <laughs> Here's a page eat. describing him eating some langoustine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so here's some like very clear descriptions of like the process of eating shellfish. Like <laughs> which I'm not opposed to. No, uh, it's it's very no, appetizing. No, it's, it actually. gives some color to the world, and yeah, like it's not like Martin descriptions of food where you like you know yes they're also appetizing, but they go on for so long that you that you actually end up going like please stop, <laughs> <laughs> like whereas whereas here is just like just the right about that you actually just end up going I just want all of this food. <laughs> it's it's nice world building, yeah. Yeah. The main consequence of them being in the end that isn't touched on in the show is uh, that they go off and have a bath together, all four of them, and clearly have like, yes. <laughs> yes, they, they, yes. So so we need to talk about how they how they had how how Geralt had a foursome with a with Borch, with dragon. who turns out to be a dragon, and two Zerikadian girls. Yeah. Yes. That is a thing that happens yes. in this short story. That was a thing that. And for some reason, the show leaves it out. Yeah, I don't really understand <laughs> why. Out of all the many bathtub incidents in the saga, surely this is one of the more dramatic ones. And it's indeed good that Geralt can't get STDs because imagine dragon STDs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or rather, like, you know. Given golden dragons are shapeshifters, I would hope that they're immune. Like, what happens if you have an STD and you, like, shapeshift and then you shapeshift back into your human form? Like, I don't know. What I happens? don't know. Do you, do you shapeshift into your human form in the form in which you left it? Because if so, I mean, even yeah, if you have a the fucking disease? The, the, like the disease would would just be there, right? Like in the sense of like, being... but like, or are you replicating a human form every time you do it, and thus it's like fresh every time? Yeah, 
It's or a bit like, like the or transporters like... in Star Trek, where you know they kind of destroy yeah. you and rebuild you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, by the way, like this raise does raise the question of why people don't just like regularly use fucking transporters to like <laughs> get rid of disease. <laughs> It is I a think thing. in some cases they can. So when they talk, sometimes when they talk about like transporting people up from like a planet that's been affected by something, they can like clear the transporter grid of like any foreign like biological matter. There's the like, biofilters, um, they call them. Um, but we digress. So that is a thing. <laughs> but either way, that <laughs> that does raise interesting questions about like whether sh- whether whether if a shapeshifter shapeshifts, they keep the STDs they had before. Uh, <laughs> these questions are only ever raised on this podcast. Um, <laughs> like, sus- subscribe, etc. Uh, well, only subscribe Review because that's iTunes. the only thing you can do. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, we've talked quite a lot about sort of the food and the dragon sex, but we did sort of skip over like all the actual discussion and themes that kind of. <laughs> Yeah, um, like the the the, f- the main theme that like is explored is actually the role of dragons in this universe, but also like not just dragons, but like you know, through the proxy or- of dragons, essentially all kind of life in the universe. I mean, the order and chaos thing is, I think, more a troll on the part of Borch, right? Like, as Geralt just kind of hand waves all of that away. Like, well, Borch that's makes that's an interesting that. point about like you know, like chaos being the force that attacks. Those who cannot resist, and that would be or chaos is destructive force, etc. And I think that's you know arguably important for later on, um, given what Borch does later on. Yeah. So what Borch says is that you know basically Borch says to to Geralt that um, you know the conflict between the forces of order and the forces of chaos. Uh, you know, I imagine that you carry out your mission defending people from evil always and everywhere without distinction. You stand clearly on a clearly defined side of the palisade. And then, as you say, Geralt just kind of hand waves us all the way. He's like, you know, like, what do you call a farrier who shoes his horses? What side does he stand on? So Geralt's clearly just kind of saying like, ah, this is a trade. It's a profession. I yeah. don't have a role in anything. Yeah. And yeah, Borch replies, as you said, with, um, you know, uh, that which represents chaos is menace. The aggressive side will order is the side being threatened in need of protection, in need of a defender. Arguably, so, arguably, yeah. I think this probably is, you know, like telling first of all about how Borch sees the world, like mm-hmm. um, in the sense that like he like you know I, I, well I he's think, a like, man and a monster so you yeah know. but like but like I think more importantly like the, like you know I I think the monster thing is like a side thing to this I think it's more important that like um like it's clearly very important from what we learn later to Borch to protect like the weak and the innocent um and. Like, like, I mean, he literally says later on in the sh- in the short story that 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 he sees that as his life same. Whereas, whereas Geralt sees this, yeah, as you say, as a trade, as the as a profession. Yes, though, as uh, Borch points out, well, Borch sort of forces Geralt to 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 back down from this position that it's just a profession by saying, you know, you cannot escape the conflict between chaos and order. That was your comparison. You're not a farrier. But then he does sort of like say, you know, you said if the payment is fair, you'll hurry to the end of the world and dispatch the monster you're asked to. Let's say a fierce dragon is wreaking havoc and then Geralt cuts him off and says, well, right away you've mixed up chaos and order because I do not kill dragons and they without doubt represent chaos. So he's kind of trying to force Geralt into like, 
it seems like Borch might intentionally be trying to force Geralt into stepping back from the position of like I'm just a tradesman who does yeah, my job scruples. because like clearly yeah. he has these like defined yeah, yeah. limits like that he won't kill dragons and yeah. yeah I mean that's what I mean right like in the sense that like this is like a philosophical disagreement from Borch's part in the sense that like he clearly sees this in a more kind of like conventional morality kind of way in the sense that like you know we're all players in that struggle between order and chaos or light and dark or whatever and mm-hmm. and and like he's trying to I, make Geralt like, as a physicist well. I like this perspective because obviously the entire universe is built around um, entropy and you know you either get the heat death of the universe or the cold death of the universe and all that and everything being a battle between order and disorder I don't know it's just a personal perspective that I think it's an interesting framing of everything and you know the, 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 the frost death yeah, the white yeah, frost, sure. you know, kind of representing everything sort of, <laughs> you know, falling oh, into the state of order. But that state of order is death and complete yeah, devastation. He, d- he did steal this 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 idea from the, the idea that like um, uh, of, of like of like the central like moral struggle of fantasy universe being between order and chaos like was like really popular. Um, mm. in the 90s when he was writing this shit like mm. like like in fantasy literature i can't like really i can't really remember what it's called now but i remember that like my dad had this entire like fantasy series that um revolved around like this conflict between like um like 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 this 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 agent of order and the lords of chaos like or like you know warhammer like has obviously mm. like the gods of chaos right um oh was it the magic of recluse maybe like oh just that one came out that start that first book of that came out in 1991 and like literally the plot is like the fantasy of entropy and and order and like yeah i read one book of this because i found it at a used bookstore and then i never found the rest of them anywhere else i just uh, shrug maybe <laughs> um <laughs> This is a lot of books. God, they wrote a lot of books back in those days. <laughs> like, yeah, they sure did. Especially when you're turning out like pulpy fantasy, you can just sort of. God, that is that is a lot out. of names. No, I don't think yeah. it's this. Um, but see, yet another feat, like yet another like <laughs> series where the central conflict is order versus chaos. Like this was a big thing in the nineties. Like you can see that like a little <laughs> bit in the fucking. Have, have either of you played like uh, Heroes I'm... of Might and Magic, like any uh, of the games? I played a little bit of Heroes of Might and Magic three, I think, but not a lot. Like um, in that in that game, you typically like I mean, okay, so like the one the one that um, like I've played the most of was four, which is a very controversial opinion. Uh, like like which which is a very controversial like you know like opinion in the in the in the heart in the. <laughs> heroes fandom um like uh and will absolutely get us cancelled um like but um like uh yeah in that game um to when you were choosing like your kind of like you know strategy game civilization um the like uh what you were choosing was your alignment as they called it and some of them were like order chaos I mean, there were also, like, other ones, like, life, death, and I think, like, nature and might, like, just to have two completely outlier ones. 
Um, but yeah, like like this sort of like you know, instead of talking about light and dark, mm. let's talk about order and chaos. Shit mm. was very popular in the nineties. Yeah, it certainly was. Like yeah, given I was able to just like pull up a fantasy series that was not related to the one you're talking about. Exactly exact right. Game. Like like yeah. it it was everywhere. It was a thing. That's the that's the basis of a lot of like sci-fi and fantasy though, because you look at the Mass Effect um, trilogy and how that ended. We don't talk about Andromeda. Um, that was all about, you know, the whole thing was about the Reapers coming along and clearing everything out to give the opportunity for, you know, new civilizations and things to grow because they feared if any civilization got too big, made an AI, killed everything, then yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that that's that's a more then. that's a more concrete thing, right? Like that's the the power of entropy as such, like um, yeah. whereas like you know like this this like specific framing of order versus chaos was very. I suppose the Borg is like that as well. Yeah, it's something there, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could argue, something yeah. Something there in terms of them being, yeah, like a force of, like, extreme order. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, and, you know, like, like it's kind of interesting as well, because, like, this this isn't really, like, returned to in the series, but, like, the concept of chaos, on the other hand, is kind of retained as basically the driving, like, kind of force behind magic, right? So... yeah. yeah. And, like, the show picks that up a little bit, too, because, I mean, the... The, the show goes that, hard on um, it, if anything, like, in the sense that, like, it, like, straight up... I mean, it translates the, the word that, like... thing to say like, to the... Yeah. It, it translates the word that, like, um, like, you know, it gets variably translated in other, like, you know, iterations of the series as the power or the force as just chaos. Mm-hmm. And the first thing, like, to say says to the girls when they start training is, like, magic is making order out of chaos yeah yeah so like the show goes hard on it yeah yeah yes we've digressed pretty again yes okay so after the um the bathtub orgy with a dragon um which just leave it at that um it uh we kind of cut to um Geralt, Borch, Taya and Vea on their way to yes and, and they learn about their companions so they acquire uh, Ike of Danel, uh, Boholt and the Crinford Raid Reavers, and Yarpin and his yes. dwarven crew, and a sorceress as yet unnamed, and the shoemaker Sheepbagger, who had previously poisoned a dragon. Yeah, they they they, they explain that a whole situation has happened where a dragon just turned up one day, flew over the. Um, is the name of the city translated in the English version? Bay or something. Um. Yeah, yeah, Bearfield, yeah. Yes, okay, so... Yes. So we'll just do, like, a really quick synopsis. <laughs> Is, um... Yes, they've learned that a dragon sort of swooped down from nowhere and and attacked the, the sheep outside the village. The villagers, in response, poisoned one of... Or stuffed one of a, a dead sheep with a bunch of poisoned herbs and other things. Uh, the dragon came back, consumed the poisoned sheep... Uh, looked like it might have been dead for a minute and then killed a couple of villagers and flew away. And now King Nidamir, who is a teenager, uh, a has kingdom. organized a... From a neighboring kingdom, no less. Um, has organized a hunt to go deal with this dragon, ostensibly in order to win the yes, hand of the princess of a neighboring kingdom. Yes, a situation where um, he really, really wants to get married to the princess of Malior um, because that would give him obviously, you know, 
rights of lordship over Mario. Um, and like the local nobility are reluctant and they've dug up this ancient prophecy that if a, if a princess regnant sits on the throne, she'll only be able to marry a man who like has slain a dragon, you know, like um so 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 conveniently so, a dragon turns up conveniently a dragon turns up gets poisoned by the local villagers by the way thank you for explaining <laughs> the bulk of that Erin, because i would have not been able to in this condition um <laughs> like i i think should we remind all... the listeners that we're in the start of um of of lockdown round two basically like, we are we are all a little bit drunk <laughs> guys like that is that is even without having actually drunk teenagers. so this like, podcast has really become like a record of our experience with lockdown <laughs> because we started recording towards the middle of january just as like news of covid was starting to filter in and yes. here we it's, are in it's september really, it's really all been, round two. it's really all been waves of various kinds of quarantine media all of this podcast is really a form of quarantine Yes. Oh well, you know. <laughs> Either way, right? So, uh, yeah, like you know, even conveniently, the dragon's already quite wounded. Like all Didamir has to go has to do is go and, uh, you know, have some experience where Steri stab the dragon to death and bring its head back and go. Yes, hello. I am now your rightful king. <laughs> yes, and. Uh- among the people that have been sort of gathered as part of this hunt are um, oh, oh, Sir guys. Ike of Denisley. Um, I think I found the the um, uh, concepts of lo- of order and chaos that I was thinking of, and uh-huh. it is it is very telling, like that. Like I was actually thinking of that offer. Like I was thinking of the of the stories of Michael Burcock. And Geralt is very frequently com- compared to Elric, like the like main hero of the stories of Michael Burkhoff. I've never read those. Like, um, it's it's um like there are there are shall we say some questions have been raised to what degree um, Sapkowski copied some aspects of. Oh. Um, the Elric of Melibone oh, series, um, because um, <laughs> oh, no. he's literally called the White Wolf. Um, and, oh no! And he's an, the weird of the White Wolf. Oh no! Uh-huh. <laughs> there are many planes of existence, he's... and some of the Lords of Chaos are strong, and some they are weak. Oh no! Oh no! Oh god! We've got like multiple universes uh, and, and a White uh, Wolf. And he definitely, definitely predates The Witcher because Murkuk was writing. Oh yeah, this like guy's from like the sixties, seventies. So he might have actually been the person who started the entire concept of order and chaos and in fantasy. Oh no! Yeah. The, the conjunction of a million oh, no. spheres. <laughs> oh, no. oh no! Is that there? Oh my god! Oh, well, no. well. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll have to come back to this one day, I think. Um, I think maybe, yeah, once if we start running out of stuff to do between shows, because we are blowing through the books. So I'm now going to order a bunch of Elric books just to see. Oh, do that, and I'll borrow them when you're done. (laughs) (laughs) Because, um, 
we're gonna have to talk about this, Angie. I'm sure you're listening. <laughs> like, Angie, we love you, but we need to talk. <laughs> I'm sure you're listening, and we will talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sapak, author who famously consumes media about his works. <laughs> Uh, and it's, it's a very influential uh, series. Like there, there have been like um, there have been essentially people have created like D and D source books for the universe of Elric. Oh so, dear. So yeah, I mean, it looks like this. I don't know how I've like never heard of this guy because he's clearly very influential he, in the field. He uses he uses sci-fi and fantasy. Elric Elric must use drugs to maintain his health and virility. Oh no, v- vitality rather because he's physically oh, no. weak and frail. Oh no, he uses elixirs. Oh no. Uh, elixirs are a common enough fantasy thing. I know, but combining it with the white wolf and the spheres, this is mm. not good. Okay, also, 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 like, he sounds awesome, like, the, this guy who wrote this this thing, because he was inspired by the works of Bertolt Brecht, and, you know, just <laughs> that in itself gains my respect. Yeah. Okay, we need to come back to this when we blow through all the books between series is because COVID is going to make the show take forever to come out. <laughs> In another episode. <laughs> yes. But yes. Okay, we will do a bonus episode about this. Not that I have time to edit bonus episodes these days. Jesus. Um, okay. <laughs> so, right. Back on track. So, um, so we, we, we kind of meet the Motley crew that... Um, that uh, uh, Nidamir has assembled to go hunt the dragon. So there's uh, Sir Ike of Denisley, who is a, a a holy knight who wants to defend the people, and Geralt hates him because he's ruining his livelihood because he goes around killing monsters without being paid. Um, there is Boholt and the Crinfred. Is that how we're pronouncing yeah. that? Crinfred yeah, Reavers. Sure. I mean, uh, again, not are... a real Polish place name, just, just fancy yeah. names. Yeah, they're just like a generic bunch of, of, of mercenary ruffian types. Um, Yarp and Zigrin and his uh, band of dwarves, the shoemaker sheepbeggar, who is along because he was the one who uh, poisoned the dragon in the first yes. place, I believe. And uh, and uh, yes, an, an as yet unnamed sorceress, which is Yennefer. Also, Dandelion is there, which is how Geralt gets introduced to everybody. Um, so it's just conveniently Dandelion always happens to turn up where there's any kind of action. And we are joined by Dora Gray, who is a sorcerer who He's acts like a druid. Prim. Yes. I love <laughs> Ancrim Dora Gray. I know leave my Ancrim son alone. He, ge- he genuinely believes that all monsters actually have an ecological niche and should be left the fuck alone. And while I think he's insane, I love him anyway. <laughs> Like, yes and once we get everyone together we got quite a debate between dora gray and yennefer about like the place of humanity in the natural order he also uh, really time. hates Geralt at first because like he oh thinks- yes he sees Geralt as the agent of like human oppression of the monsters basically yes i mean like you yes. know say what you will but if dora gray had been in charge at fanid like Things might have gone differently. Oh, I mean, agreed. Like, like, Dora Gray is objectively the only wizard besides for Yen with a morality. <laughs> like, yes, you can sometimes, you can sometimes genuinely yes. think that he's like definitely nuts, but like, <laughs> but like, like, like definitely just not 
not okay, but like, but, 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 and, and definitely wrong a lot of the time, but he has a morality, and that is new for Mercers in this series. He's also very mean. He, he sort of rags on Yennefer for being, as he <laughs> describes it, barren and sort of jibes her because, of course. Okay, yeah, that was, that was a bit fucked up. Like, yes. Yeah. That, that, that was a bit fucked up. But like, to be fair, Jennifer also says some pretty fucked up stuff to Dora Gray. Yeah, she says some pretty arse like, 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 like it, like the conversation between Yen, Yen and Dora Gray really reads like the conversation between like the class's most popular girl and the class nerd. <laughs> like they're just dragging on each other, and they're both wrong. But like, but like also you feel bad for both of yeah. them. So they um. Yeah. Well, I mean, Yennefer... Okay, here's the thing, though. So Dora Gray's saying, like, every species has its niche and we all have to live in harmony and there's no reason why we have to attack the dragons and everything balances out in nature. And Yen comes in with, like, oh, no, dragons are the greatest enemy of mankind because dragons are the only thing that can take down a guarded city and we must have strongholds in cities where we can all gather together because it's the only place where women can reproduce at the natural rate, which is one baby per year. Yeah, that's what Yen. we call Irish twins. Yes, precisely. Yeah, Yen, I mean, that's like, not okay. I get you're dealing with your infertility, but like, that's not a reason to tell the rest of us to just pop out fourteen kids. Like, like, like. First of all, yes. Second of all, like, yeah, like, like she she goes with a whole fucking like encourage birth rates kind of thing. But, like, yeah. also, even leaving that aside, yeah, that's not even true. You know what's very good at destroying city walls? A trebuchet. Like... Well, that's other humans. That doesn't count, apparently. And apparently. Oh, the other thing she says is that, like, all nomadism must be wiped out. It's like, okay, we're talking some cultural genocide yeah, here, Yen. Yeah, we, like, like, there are Zedekadians over there, mate. Like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's saying this, like, in front of Zedekadians, who apparently they don't speak very good common so like maybe they didn't pick it up but like come on like <laughs> yen just 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 don't just 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 don't right like yeah Dorgray's clap back on that was pretty good though it's like well you say dragons are the real enemies of cities but you know only one out of those uh 10 children that you're having born every year is going to live more than 10 weeks because yeah, of Dora Gray like, points out some like objective and, facts and... about medicine <laughs> like yeah like those are your enemies of humanity yen like deal with like fleas and diseases before you go worry about dragons <laughs> well indeed like <laughs> yeah uh... <sighs> yes <laughs> Just to confirm, oh, so, yeah. I I have yeah, okay, I have in good. fact ordered uh, an an Elric. Um... <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, we get um yeah uh yes we get this philosophical debate as we tend to a lot in this series, um and of course yeah. <laughs> they sort of decide between them what they're going to do with the carcass of the yes. of the boy. Um, yeah, and obviously wants fertility treatment. Um, Dorgory doesn't want it killed at all. <laughs> yes. Dorgory's there to stop them, basically. Yes. Which, again, I mean, like, first of all, correct. Second of all, why does nobody care? <laughs> that Dorgory's there to stop them? Yeah. I know. <laughs> like, everyone just lets Dorgory hang out with them because they're just like, yeah, they can't pose any threat. 
Yeah. But yes, they, they do work out an arrangement that uh, whoever actually goes and fights and kills the dragon gets half. Everyone else shares a quarter and Nidamir gets a bit too. And he should just be happy that he's going to get the head so he can go marry the princess. And and that's it. Sort of. We also pick up that uh, Geralt and Yennefer have had a bit of a falling out since the last time we saw them together. Yes. <laughs> They're like, it is, it is um, strongly implied that Geralt ran away from her at the dead of night. After four years. Yes. After four years of living together as well. That, that one morning like, she woke up, there were some flowers on the bedside, and he was gone. You know as well also <laughs> that, like, you know, like, Geralt, pro- th- those four years, like, while we know nothing about them because Sapek refuses to write Domestic Bliss, <laughs> give, me my, give me my novel, which is just Domestic Bliss, Sapek. how dare you? Like, yes, give um, me my slice of life, Geralt and Yennefer living together and nothing going terribly wrong for four literally, years. Literally just Geralt hanging out in the market in, in Wengerberg every day for four years. Like, like <laughs> yes, I want to see this. Thank you very much. Uh, second of all, um, like... <laughs> um, like, the thing is, right, we, 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 don't, we don't see this, but, like, we... We, we, you just know that, like, actually, they were probably the calmest, like, you know, parts of Geralt's life ever. Like, right, yeah, for four years, he probably wasn't ever running out of food or not knowing where to live and he probably not being wasn't yelled at all the working, time. Really. Towns and... He probably wasn't yeah. working, he probably was just like a living husband for four years. Like, and it's just like, and you run away from this, yes, my dude, come Apparently. on, come on, what the fuck. Presumably because he got that, like, relationship imposter syndrome where he didn't feel like he really deserves her and nothing could be ever right. He's a monster. And he's... And then... What? No, that's not the reason. Because his reason was given. I can't remember what the reason was. It was was in the last wish in in one of the interstitial bits. Um, He started whining to Nedeke that, like, Yen had been too controlling expect oh, too that's much what of it was. It was very typical man bullshit. Like it Ugh, Geralt. I was trying to be sympathetic and like no, be like, oh no. well, you know, he's got trauma and like of like emotional issues. It's fine. No, he was just like couldn't deal with like being in a relationship. He was just being he was just being a dick. Like <sighs> come on, Geralt. I was I tried, I tried to defend you and this is this is what you give me. Yeah. Sorry. God damn it, Geralt. <sighs> well, okay, Yen's got every reason to be pissed at him then. Yeah. yeah, it's a proportionate reaction yeah. to um, not inaccurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God damn it. Okay, so <laughs> anyway, they just like yeah, they 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 Geralt and Yen are clearly at odds because of Geralt's awful behavior. And anyway, they all continue up the mountain, and then um, there is a rock slide. Yeah, we get the so we get is. the Hobbit scene as we describe it in the TV series. Yes, yes, <laughs> what it is. Yes, the Hobbit scene, indeed. Yes, yeah. yeah so Geralt and Yen kind of fall in into the the you know a crevasse basically, and uh, the team, the rest of the team, Dandelions begging them to to save to save Geralt and Yen, and they're kind of like, oh well, you know, Yennefer's dangling down lower, so. <laughs> You know, if we don't do anything, maybe she'll she'll fall and then we can pull the Witcher up because he's useful. 
or uh, and then they're like, oh well, you know, maybe I think just let even them both was, fall in. Even, <laughs> I think it was even some sort of thing like where they were going like, well, with the witch, we've nothing against the Witcher. We'll pull him up, but like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like... they're like, well, maybe we can let them both fall in. That's less people to split the money with. Uh, but then uh, Ike of Denisley decides to be the honorable knight and save them because he cannot let a beautiful lady die. Yes, <laughs> he he believes that he believes that her heavenly beauty. Uh, means that uh, uh, it's possible that she might turn away from her devilry later on in life. Yes. <laughs> it's a very Roald Dahl perspective on the world. Um, <laughs> yes. Not, yes. A, not, not wrong. Uh, but uh, this sort of, yeah, there's this, the, the Geralt and the Anne have a, have a bit of a moment um while they're dangling there and and she's still angry with him but he's you know i think quite you know taken by the fact that they are going to maybe die they have a bit of a moment while they're dangling there almost dying but yes they are rescued from the the crevasse but during this time borch and the zarkanians vanish yes they don't uh, fall into the crevasse and mysteriously survive they just disappear yes I think they even like yes. does does Borch not say something to Geralt? Like 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 something like does he does he not like basically tell him that it's time for me to leave or something like that? Or do they just disappear? I think they just disappear. Okay. I think they're just like there's like all this chaos and they're just not there anymore when everybody stops reacting to the chaos, basically. I, I have no idea what what I was thinking. Shrug. <laughs> yeah. And then I just like literally like they like they stop like there's chaos and fortune the the Zarakanians are gone and then as they're arguing and uh, Sir Ike's saying like you know like I rescued you because I I rescued Jennifer because she might t- turn away from her devilry and of course I rescued you Geralt because I won't let anybody die but that like yes you're a monster even basically. even 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 <laughs> even a monstrous mutant yes 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 yeah and so Geralt's like doing the thing where he's gonna like storm off in a half because everybody thinks he's a monster and he's tired of dealing with it. <laughs> and then, of course, now the Borch has disappeared, the dragon turns up. Yes. Um, and he gets confirmation that despite his earlier denials, um, the golden dragons do exist. They do. And one is standing right in front of them. <laughs> and then they just all stand around debating how to kill the golden dragon. Uh, yeah. Just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they'd say, oh yeah, maybe we could, well, naturally Dandelion is like, well, no, we should just leave this poor critter alone. Sheepbagger's like, oh, let's poison it again. <laughs> <laughs> because that's going to work again. <laughs> um, and then the dragon challenges them to one-on-one combat, which uh, Sir Ike takes him up on, on the offer, um, obviously, because Sir Ike is an honourable idiot. And is uh he tries to do like a just your standard charge of the dragon with a lance and gets broke both of his legs broken and possibly something injured in his back in the process in the synopsis of it the (laughs) it's described as um the beast is very agile and effortlessly sends the hapless knight along with his horse exclamation mark flying through the air (laughs) with the flick of one claw next please <laughs> Fantastic. That's a good synopsis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
there's, um, there's actually one of my actual favorite bits of this short story <laughs> is actually what happens next with Nidamir and um, his steward Gillenstern, like because Gillenstern like you know panics at this, like you know like watches like like you know ache go down, then like you know um like looks to behold and like his his Crinfred Reavers to like save the day, like who are just like, well so far your leadership is pathetic. And like the reavers, the reavers announced that they're announcing the deal, mm. and Gillenstern is like looking about, panicked, and like turns to his king and goes like, "Your Majesty, what do we do?" And the king just remarks, "Ah, you've decided to ask me at last." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, and I love that Nidamir's response to like finally being asked what to do is like, "Fuck it, why are we even here?" Like, yeah, like no, I mean. <laughs> Literally, it's not. It's not. It's not even. It's not even. Fuck it. It's like you get the impression that like this was not even Nidamir's idea to begin with, because Nidamir just explains that like he does not want to be here. He will literally just go and take Valyor, where because he has yeah, a larger like, army. Yeah, like, um, he's like, we've got overwhelming military superiority, and the princess is a cow. I'll just knock her up, take the kid, and kill her. Who cares? Let's go. It's <laughs> <laughs> like. Okay, Nidamir, you're a dick, but he's definitely he's definitely an incredible monster. But like, like so far out of the kings, <laughs> one of the worst. Like, uh, yeah, he's a bit like, George R. R. Martin. Um, uh, but, yeah. Like, but um, like you know, like like uh, I can totally buy that he's a he. You know, like young kings are always tyrants. That's just the thing. But like, but like, it's just really funny yeah. that like it goes down like Gillenstern just goes like, "Your Majesty, what do we do?" It's just like, ah, you're asking me at last. <laughs> well, I have some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> you're about to learn to listen rather than to lead. Yeah, so basically Nidamir and his men fuck off, and that leaves Bohol and his men, Yarpin and his men, Doragray, Geralt, Yen, and Dandelion. Yen tries to convince Geralt to kill the dragon. She's like, you know, with a golden dragon pelt, I could have this treatment that I need to restore my fertility, which probably isn't real anyway, let's be real. Um, and Geralt's just like, no, like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And she, she's, this is really awful. She's like, you know, I said I would never forgive you. I will forgive you and everything will go back to normal between us if you just do this. This is such a manipulation, right? Like, as well. It's such a low blow. Yeah. Like, that is not okay, Yen. Like, it's just, it's just also just, like, really fucking funny. Because, like, the implication is that, that Yen wants to use this dragon pelt to cure, cure both of their infertilities and have a baby together. Oh, yeah. She definitely wants a baby with Geralt. Which like, is, like, that well, is the implication. Like... I don't know how to explain this to you, but like, if you're soulmate and you are both infertile, have you considered <laughs> the possibility that maybe that, like, you know, is almost, you know, some sort of hint from the universe that maybe just try adoption. Just, just, just consider it. In fact, adopt the child that already technically belongs to him, no less. Yeah, just but saying. at this at this time, that would have involved kidnapping kidnapping her from the royal palace. Um, that's true like i i don't think i don't think <laughs> you know like law of surprise or no law of surprise i there are serious <laughs> ethical issues with that yeah i mean there yeah, are serious ethical sure. issues with the law of surprise right <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, 
Um, so you know. Yes. Um... So basically the group falls apart. <laughs> yeah, so there's the side that is pro-dragon killing and the side that is anti-dragon killing. Yes, they all fall apart. Some of them leave. Um, the king's clearly losing yeah. his grasp of the situation. The and, king's just uh, left. Yeah, he's... Yeah, the king fucks off. The, off. Ki- the king has gone, I'm going to go do war. Yeah, the king's... <laughs> I'm going to go do war <laughs> and forced marriage and then murder my wife. Bye, guys. Just the standard um, Crusader King's free playthrough. It's... Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, but and then Dora Gray decides that there shall be no dragon hunt. But uh, it doesn't Tries ha- to doesn't stop them, well. yes. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't does go not down go down that down. well. So he is no match for Yen, basically. So Dora Gray decides, yes, I'm a sorcerer, I can deal with this, and just it is no match for Yen. Um, and it turns into a fight when it ends up with Geralt and Dandelion and Dora Gray losing, and Yen and the Reavers and the Dwarves winning, but then Yen decides to turn on the Reavers and the Dwarves, just like, like no, like this dragon's mine. Um, and she's overcome by them, so she ends up tied up in the cart uh, topless with Geralt, Dora Gray, and Dandelion. Yes, basically. Um, specifically binding her hands, because of course, can't do magic without your wavy hands. Yes. And this is super gross because, like, Bohult's groping her and Dandelion's going on about he's going to compose the ballad of the two tits and, like, this bit's pretty gross. This is pretty fucking gross. Like, yeah. like I mean, like, a lot of people that, like, will reappear in the stories and the universe going forward, characters that will play, you know, like, semi-important roles, by which I mean Dandelion and Yarpin, like, are... Like, really do not come across well in this situation at all. Um, and it's interesting, well, it's for the best that they left this bit out, really. Um, yeah. Yes, because Yarpin is, like, a great character later. Yeah. And it just does not get a good This is just... Introduction. Yeah. But yeah. I, I do begrudge leaving yeah. Doragari out, because he is an interesting and good character. Yeah, they should have kept Doragrai. Jesus Christ, why did they cut Doragrai? <laughs> I didn't think about that actually, but yeah, they cut Doragrai. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, sake, bring man. back Doragrai. <laughs> bring back Doragrai. <laughs> we can have more than one weird druidy sorcerer in a show. Yes, yes. Like <laughs> M- Mousak wasn't really a good druid anyway. Oh wow, hot take. <laughs> no, I mean M- Mousak was a wonderful human being, but not a good druid. <laughs> Like, for start- That's true, he did go live in a castle. He literally palled, allowed, p- p- palled around with the aristocracy. People who are known for literally hating the druids for, like, doing bullshit, <laughs> like, like, insist, like, uh, advising local villagers not to do, you know, wood chopping work. Like, like, you know, the kings regularly yes. perform, like, mass arrests of druids in this world. Like, like, um. Mausak was probably turning a blind eye to some shit inflicted on his on his co-workers and for what it's worth lots of them are arseholes but like <laughs> like <laughs> oh no you know me I'm 100% team druid I'm really worried about those fish going extinct in a thousand years <laughs> circle of the great banks of New Finland <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, no that's that's fair but like but but that's that's what I mean, right? Like Mousak, by virtue of constantly palling around with two monarchies, two of them. Like, okay, there's like it's implied that the Skelligers are like a bit more positive towards the Druids, 
But I don't see how they I could I can imagine be, Druids because, hanging around with Skelligers. Like, but... The thing <laughs> is, I can't see it. If anything, that that is unrealistic to me. Because the Skelligars eat nothing but fish. <laughs> like... And stuff they've stolen from boats. <laughs> but the stuff they've... But, but, but like, raid stuff gets rotten by the time you get back. Like, yes, whereas yes. fish is always there. Like, um... Yeah. But like no, they they, they they must be consuming shitloads of of fish. Is Skellige really that densely populated though? That doesn't matter. Like like <laughs> like as long as like there are enough of them that they ra- that like raiding the Guardian shores drives fear into the hearts of the empire. So like true. <laughs> so like there like in numerical terms there are definitely enough of them. To cause an ecological problem. True. Like, um... Yeah. You know, like... Let, okay, Bowsack, let, good let, guy, let, bad let, druid. Let me tell you about the Faroese <laughs> Islands, who are the world's largest... <laughs> like, who are, who are the wa- world's largest source of problems for whales. It was poor pirate whales. <laughs> oh no, oh don't make me sad about the whales. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, the dragons just, like on top of everything um they they they're not doing a good job of fighting it um and then and then the baby dragon appears it's somehow gotten itself into the fray so it's not an egg it's a whole ass baby this time yeah i just i'm assuming they were trying to save the cgi budget from the show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sheep beggar who is the peasant turns up with the local militia during this this fight after the the baby dragon sort of crawls out into the into the fray and crawls onto Yennefer and of course we get more chat about Yennefer being topless and the dragon snuggling into her boobs. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and with the the whole sort of militia from the town with Sheep Beggar, um, the, the dragon starts losing the fight um, and Yen convinces Geralt to use uh, Igni, which is the, 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 the fire sign, to burn the ropes off of her ankles. Uh, so that she can do a very weird trick where she uses her legs to cast spells uh, instead of her hand movement movements, um, and is basically able to turn the tide of the battle um, with a spells that go very weird because they're not cast properly. So she like turns a wagon yellow and turns some people into frogs. Yeah, makes the wagon disappear. And do either of you just pardon? feel? Do either of you just really feel like this episode, this this short story, um, is like? Is like a D and D session where one of <laughs> yes. Sa- where one yes. of Sapik's players was really taking the piss in terms of what they yes. can technically do with the rules. Like, yes, it's like well, it says it has a somatic component, but it doesn't really say what the somatic component has to be. It doesn't say what which fingers you need to make the somatic component with. <laughs> <laughs> it so totally is just a D&D session gone weird and clearly when she's casting spells with her legs the rolls are all over the place yes it's weirdly horny like yeah. <laughs> it really it is like, just it a like, session it like clearly weird. clearly like Sapek said to whoever's playing Yen listen if you roll a natural <laughs> 20 I'll let you cast with your legs <laughs> Boom! Like, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, of course, after this scrap, who should appear but uh, the Zarkanians? 
And, yes, uh, they just ride in. Yep, and the locals there. And sort of clean up the remaining locals. They, they, they yes. just kind of. Mm. Yeah, and the, the sheepbagger. Yeah, he has a bad time. Poor sheepbagger. Yeah. yeah. Sheepbagger was actually. Are we, are we really feeling. Like... He didn't deserve this. He was just a bit dumb. Yeah, he, was, he was just a poacher, basically. Um, he was just a poacher, but also, like, he, I mean, like, I think Sheepbagger was just really trying to do something for his town here. Like, like he was, he clearly thought that, like, you know, um, if he shows Nidamir to the mountains and shit, like, you know, maybe, like, he can win himself some privileges, like, you know, like, 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 maybe, you know, like, you know, being, being from the lower classes, Sir Sheepbagger would have really done something... <laughs> Really done something for the people of Bearfield. It's no worse a name for a knight than Mouse Sack, I suppose. Exactly. Oh God. Like, it's no. It's no worse name for a knight than Geralt of Rivia. Um, like. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, or as 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 Geralt originally wanted to call himself. Like Geralt Roger Eric de Hope Belgard or something like yes, that. Yes, that that's that's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> uh. Yes. Oh my yeah. god. Yes. So so it's no worse name for a knight than that. Um, <laughs> like all I'm saying is, you know, there's not a universe where Sheepbagger really did some things for his people here, and you know, like, <laughs> and here uh, it yeah, all goes yeah. to yeah. pot. And then villain Threat and Mirth yeah. just you know does his thing, and the Sarkinians are gonna thing. kill Yen, and then. Look, the TLDR is the 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 hunters lose. That's that's really the short story. Pretty much, yeah. Bo Holt is like yes. is like wounded in such a way that like I think it's canon that he remains like essentially like you know he receives a traumatic brain injury and uh, later is able to function physically but not mentally basically for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yes, I will. Yeah, yeah. Like he he mm-hmm. struggles. um (laughs) for the rest of his life and and yarpin zigun and the dwarves get off lightly in the sense that i think yarpin's thrown into a tree yes and they just run away yes which Uh, you know you would yeah yeah you know like makes sense but also consider they're they're they are like seasoned ass dragon hunters like they're they slew from for by all accounts the scariest dragon of the northern kingdoms like um like like i think like yarpin and his dwarves were meant to be based on foreign and his dwarves so yes yeah because the the yeah they do say before like oh like you heard of this famous dragon that uh, like you know there was a song also about, also like, his name is it, his, so the, that, dra- that dragon's name was Ochrist, or like Ochrist, oh, or something. Oh God! Of like course, Orchrist, like Orchrist, foreign sword. Oh. Yeah. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. Okay, Sapek, we see what you did here. Sapek is. I mean, he uh, he's he's not like you know JKR levels of hack. But like, <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with like. There's nothing hack character. about his writing. Yes, like like he. There's nothing hack about his writing. But like he'll just do this, like where <laughs> suddenly there's a conjunction of a thousand spheres in another another cult fantasy <laughs> series, or or the yes. dragon Aquist slain by a group <laughs> of d- twelve dwarves. 
Well, I mean, bear yes. in mind a lot of the short stories are just overtly based on fairy tales anyway. Yes. It's, I mean, like... Yes. He's just reinterpreting. It's fine. There is there is definitely something to be said for how, like, you know, like, um, he, like, it, it's it's no more, you know, immoral to reinterpret other, like, fantasy literature than it is to reinterpret fairy tales. Oh, no, I completely agree. I actually think our obsession with, with authorship and originality is, like, totally counter to, like, the entire human history of storytelling. Yeah, so, I mean, exactly. It's drug. fucking toxic, right? Like, this is not how people <laughs> yeah. write, yeah. Oh, write stories. And this is not how, like, how story cycles develop and how heroes develop and how, like, culture heroes develop and how folklore develops. And, like, this idea idea that, like, the lone genius who exists outside of, like, the continuum of, like, their culture and pre-existing works is just, like, anti-human, frankly. Well, the thing is, like, yes. Lord of the Rings was based, like, the orcs were, that's an old English word for Norsemen, uh, uh, Normans. It was, you know, based on a mix of English folklore plus the Norman invasion of England. Like that's kind of what it was all. It's 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 entirely natural hmm. to adapt stories and folklore and things like that. And just because a book's only forty year old rather than four hundred, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. Um. So basically, as this all resolves, and 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 you know, Geralt and Yen have worked together in this fight. Um. You know, Geralt's patching up Yen's ankles because they got burned when he was freeing her from her her bonds. She seems to have had a change of heart. And this, this like melts me a little bit where, um, you know, she tries to stand up and he says, Geralt, I'm going with you. And he says, with me, Yen, I thought, don't think she pressed herself against his arm. Yen, it's all right, Geralt. He looked into her eyes, which were warm as they used to be. He lowered his head and kissed her lips, hot, soft and willing as they used to be. Ugh, this bit kills me every time. <laughs> it is nice, which, you know, setting us up for shard of ice is a bit cold oh god that oh oh god yeah i'm gonna actually properly go through that one line by line because that <laughs> story is a lot um <laughs> i mean it's a beautiful story but also it's a lot yeah yes well that one i think deserves the line by line treatment because it is just every bit of it is Geralt and yen character development yeah um because this one's more of a, a yeah. fun foray Yes, that gets them back together conveniently. Yeah, for a time. Um, yes. Yes. yes, yes. For um, a time. Yes. <laughs> yes. So and um, so we get sort of uh, Borch's uh, reunion with the baby dragon. Um, you know, it says like you know that basically the payment for him coming to save the green dragon from the villagers was her treasure, by which he means the baby, not. The, the horde um and that this is his his destination at the end of the road which harks back to something that he talked to Geralt about earlier about how Geralt feels like he has no destination and that's why he's pals around with people like the reavers because they're other people who just don't look at him weird and don't have a destination themselves and he says to Geralt that you know like one day you know you will also find such a purpose um even those who are different can survive um which again is harking back to Geralt's statement earlier at, in the start of the story um where Geralt says that you know mutants are like a mistake committed by nature uh, or those who trifle with it golden dragons and other similar mutants where they exist couldn't survive uh for a very natural limit of possibilities presents it which is m- mutants the muscles in Geralt's jaw twitched violently mutants are sterile borch by the way this is like a whole fucking thing right as well is because like 
this is a parallel also in the most literal sense, in the sense that, like, the Lichrith literally adopts another dragon's baby. Yes, as payment for service rendered, no less. Yes. Is this? Like, yes. Uh, like, a dragon who was, for that matter, like, if you want to, like, even, like, extend the analogy to the point where it's just, like, very thinly, like, laid butter and too much bread <laughs> like um a, dra- a dragon that was that was slain by invaders onto our land yes. <laughs> here's a question um yeah for you though because you'll have played witcher 2 i don't think you yes. said you had Aaron. is the baby dragon I just started it. is the baby dragon uh, oh wait no this is spoilers then i won't spoil then Oh no, I know about the baby dragon in Witcher 2. Or the not baby, the other dragon, the yes. female golden dragon. Is it Sithensis? Yeah. This is for what's worth worth discussing. Yes. Uh, this <laughs> this dragon is meant to be Sithensis. Which is quite funny, because that is a massive plot hole. Because this this baby dragon is not a golden dragon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yet when it grows up, yeah. it is. <laughs> Like, but when it grows yeah. up, it just suddenly is because the Witcher two didn't, writers didn't really realize what they were reading. Like, and I I yeah, do understand why really because bad. like because actually when I when I initially read this the first time, I didn't quite realize that like it isn't Villatretnmurf and Mirktabrak's child. But no, it is just Mirktabrak's yeah. child. Villatretnmurf is just turning up to claim his love surprise child. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, basically. But yeah, so this, 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 the this parallel is, is really this. strong, actually. Yeah, yeah and it's reinforced um, by Bill and Treadermurth clearly saying to, to Geralt and Yanyo, forgive me in my frankness and forthrightness, it's written all over your faces. I don't even have to try to read your thoughts. You were made for each other, you and the Witcher, but nothing will come of it. Nothing, I'm sorry. So he's like, you'll find your destiny, but like, no, stop trying you this will particular not route. Need. Nothing will come of it. You won't produce children. Get over it. Yes. 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 So I've got a question. Does it drive anyone else crazy that the Polish title of this is um, The Limits of Possibility? And they repeat the line, The Limits of Possibility, repeatedly through the English version, but they've called the English story <laughs> The Bounds of Reason, which is not a line that appears at all in the story. It doesn't drive me crazy because I don't read the English version. <laughs> What's the title in Lithuanian? It is the same. It is Limits of Possibility. So for some reason, the English translation, like we know the English translation is janky as hell, decided to call the story The Bounds of Reason, that's, even though that that's line doesn't appear once in the story. Is, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, that is, like, genuinely a level of just stupid. Like, (laughs) that, like, I I don't know how to approach, right? Because, like, there is is no way in which, like, you know, you can look at that and go, like, surely, you know, like, just, like, you just have to look at that and go, like, surely you should have thought if there is a line that is perpetually repeated throughout the short story that also happens to be the same as the title of the short story, you should, you should keep the line the same. In, as you're translating yes. both the title and the line, uh, I yeah. don't yeah. know, but just One like, what the hell? Think. Like, I will say the fan translation that I have the EPUB of <laughs> does call it the limits of possibility. I mean, like, <laughs> so I think the fan like, translation might be better. <laughs> like, the bounds of reason is such a nonsense, like name as well because like you know i'd understand that reason like, and possibility are different things <laughs> yeah exactly yes first of all that but also just like you know you'd, and I'd, I'd understand if the bounds of reason was a concept like in english that like this name I was think it is isn't it is it yeah 
At least it's something I've heard before. Oh yeah, well yeah, you could say outside the bounds of reason. Bounds of reason, right? I guess. But like, like, it's still stupid because it doesn't doesn't bear any relation whatsoever to the story, which is repeatedly about the limits of possibility, the natural limits on the reproduction of mutants, the limits of possibility for the survival of things that are too different to live, the limits of possibility for Geralt and Yen's relationship. Or, or at (laughs) one particular instance, the limits of possibility uh, of how far open Vea's shirt can be without revealing anything. Yes. yes. Not me. Apparently. Sapic. I know. <laughs> this, again, it is a weird D&D session where people had crazy carousing roles and everyone was a little too horny and someone <laughs> rolled a natural 20 on their attempt to cast without the somatic element. It's, that's I'm, what it I'm, is. I'm, I'm, sometimes, I'm sometimes genuinely not fully persuaded that at least some of Sapic's short stories didn't actually originate as him playing D&D with his friends. <laughs> like, like I wouldn't be shocked, right? Like, none of us would be shocked. I mean, a girl I used to be friends with wrote, like, a whole, like, trilogy based people, on People our, do this. Like, 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 it's a very common yeah. thing. Like, yeah. like, I mean, well, for starters, that's how source books are written, really. Somebody run, like, somebody at Wizards runs that campaign at home at first. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but, like, but, like, also, um, like, yeah, like, people do that all the time. Like, it's a well-known thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, that's our show. Thanks so much for listening. And join us again next time when we discuss the second short story in The Sword of Destiny, A Shard of Ice. Our music is Medieval Abstraction by Lucas Perny and Milislav Kolar, which you can find at freemusicarchive.org. And you can find us on Twitter and Tumblr as at the Witchercast. Or email us at castapodtoyourwitcher at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye.